Well, good morning, church. Good to see you here this morning. Hope you've had a good weekend. I mentioned to you last week, uh, last Sunday, that I had to be on my best behavior because we had several of uh, Mandy's family here, and, and you met some of them. And well, this week my parents are here, so my good behavior uh, has to has to continue. So. Uh, if I'm acting out of sorts, it's because I'm trying to be uh, good while they're here. So glad you're here this morning. If you're a visitor with us this morning, we're glad that you're here as well. We hope we get the chance to meet you afterwards. We, we're glad that you have come uh, our way this morning. So they tell me that I'm unique. And it's not just me. It's a certain generation that they're calling people you know, unique. And I was looking at this. There's you know, the different generations that we all grow up in, baby boomers and millennials and all those different things. So there's this group from, if you're born from 65 to 80, you're considered Gen X. And if you're born from 81 to 96, you're considered a millennial. But then there's this group, such as myself, that we really don't feel like we belong in Generation X, but we don't really call ourselves millennials either. And so there's this very small subsection of people that they've come back and said, well, these people are zennials. And they've, they've, they've combined the Gen X and the millennials and said, we're zennials. And so this is the group that we, we remember what it was like when the internet first came around. We, it wasn't always in our lives. We had computers, but we didn't have the internet. We, we use social media, but we can remember a time where we lived completely without it, right? This is the generation that we, we learned how to climb a tree before we learned how to download an app. This is kind of our generation. And so I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about just one certain thing this morning, and I was thinking about how growing up, there was different types of phones that I saw come through my life. And I still remember, believe it or not, I still remember when people had rotary phones. Anybody still have a rotary phone? Yes, okay, a couple. So I remember rotary phones. And then you remember after the rotary phone, the big thing was the cordless phone, right? We, had the, we were used to that, that phone with a big cord. And if you wanted to have a, a little bit of privacy, that cord would stretch halfway across the house and you'd close the door behind you, right? And you'd talk to your friends. But then we had the cordless phone, and it, that was real impressive because the first people that had those, we, we had people over and we said, hey, watch this. I'm going to pick up this phone off of this thing right here, and I'm going to go have a conversation in the other room without a cord. And everybody's like, oh, that is amazing. And I remember growing up, my grandma, she had an old Lincoln Town car, and that thing was built like a tank, and it was just as hard to park uh, but she had a Lincoln Town car, and in that, in that car, she had one of those bag phones. Anybody remember those? And we thought we were so cool. It wasn't our bag phone, and it wasn't our car, but we were just kind of cool by association because we were riding with Grandma, and she had one of those bag phones in there. Now, of course, you didn't hardly ever use that thing. You didn't use it for casual conversations. They charged you like $80 a minute or whatever it was, so you didn't use this thing very often. But we thought it was pretty cool that Grandma had a phone in her car. And then I remember I didn't really have my first cell phone or first mobile phone until I was a junior or senior in high school. And this is the one that I had. This is not the actual one that I had, but it's, it's similar. This is the model that I had. Uh, this one, what we used this for was for phone calls. That's it. Uh, we, we, had, we had a couple games on it. You might remember Snake. That's, that was it. You, you made phone calls or you played Snake. 
There was not texting, there was not apps, there was not any of those things. It was mainly to make phone calls. Uh, it, it was very big, kind of looked like you were walking around, you know, with a hand grenade in your pocket. It was not a good, you know, good look, but this is what we used it for. And then, of course, now we move forward several years, and of course, we, most of us, we have smartphones. Uh, we're used to having these, and so now we have a camera, and we have a calculator, and we have the internet, and we have all these things just in our pockets. I thought it was crazy. Uh, we, we have a a, we moved into this house in Newcastle, and, and I have an app on my phone. I didn't know they had this available, and I found out about it later. We have an app now that we can actually close our garage. Like, we can be completely across the country, and I can go into this app, and I can close my garage. I can unlock my front door. We can do all these crazy things with our phones. And obviously, not all these things that come along with our phones are good things. I remember I went to a conference a few years back uh, in there were some preachers, as mainly preachers at this conference, and we were kind of sitting around talking, and we said, well, what's going on with your congregation? What's new with you guys? What are some of the challenges that you are facing in your congregation? And it seems like over and over, people kept saying the same thing. It was revolving around our phones. And in fact, uh, there was one preacher in Wichita Falls, and he, he said, oh, I can tell you what our problem is. And he said, he said, our people are addicted to these. He said, screens are our problem. And I thought that was interesting because obviously they're not just evil things. They can be used for good things. They can help us to be more productive. But I was thinking about how, and of course when he says screens, he's not just saying phones. He's talking about our TVs and our computers and and just always feeling like we have to be next to a screen. And he says we can't get our people to look into God's word long enough because they're too busy looking at their screens. And so as we go through this series, we've been going through Psalm 119. I want to look at a passage starting in verse 33. This is basically picking up where we ended in in last week. We ended with verse 32 last week. We're going to start in verse 33 this morning. And I just wanted you to notice a couple things as we read this section. Again, it's just an eight-verse section, like all the sections in this psalm. And it's a couple things that I want want us to see. There's one element of here's some worldly things that he mentions. Notice the worldly uh, desires or characteristics or traits or actions. So he, he mentions some worldly things, but notice also his desire to know God's word. So worldly things and his desire to know God's word. So we'll start there in verse 33 of Psalm 119. He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep them to the end. Give me the understanding that I may obey your law And follow it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commandments, for there I will find delight. Turn my heart to your testimonies and not to covetous gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Revive me with your word. Establish your word to your servant to produce reverence for you. Turn away the disgrace I dread. For your judgments are good. How I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. So really what we're talking about this morning is this idea of our mindset, having the right mindset. And so to that end, what I want us to think about this morning is we need to fix our thoughts on God's word. And when we do that, God's word in turn will fix our thoughts. If we're thinking about God's word, if we're focusing on the right things, 
then those right things will fill our mind. They will help us to live our life the way that God wants us to. You go back to verse 9 of this psalm. Remember that? Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? This is what we're talking about, this idea of a mindset. And when we fix our thoughts on God's word, God's word will fix the thoughts that we have, and we will have the mindset that we need to have. Of course, probably the most famous verse when it comes to our mindset and what we think about is in Romans 12. You know the passage well. And so right after that verse where he says to be a living sacrifice, he goes into this idea of mindset in verse 2. Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. You understand that this renewing of your mind, it's not a one and done thing that just happens at conversion. You don't say, well, I've stopped thinking like the world. I've become a Christian. I've I've decided to be baptized. I've changed my thinking. I I don't want to live like that anymore. That's not, that's not how it works. It's not the end of it. It's not, it's not a one and done thing at conversion. He uses these two words of conforming and transforming. Conformed is just, I won't get too deep into this but in the greek word it's a passive verb it basically means you it just happens right and we understand that it's very easy for us to conform it's very easy for us to just show up and and be just like the rest of the world all you got to do is is just be present right it doesn't take long but if you're in the in a group of people like the like the world and you stand there and just say well here i am over time that influence those those things that they're doing the things that they're saying the things that they're thinking are going to become your own It's very easy to to conform. That's easy. Anybody can do that. Paul says you are to be transformed. And the word there is literally where we get the word metamorphosis. Okay? Now that word that Paul uses there for renewing, it's only used, I I thought this was interesting, it's only used four times in the entire New Testament. Here, Romans 12, he'll use it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, talking about us being transformed. The other two times that it's used is when Jesus is transfigured. It uses that same word for renewing as it uses for Jesus being transfigured. Now think about the change that Jesus went through that the apostles notice, right? When they're on that mountain, he's transfigured before them. We talk about this dramatic, radical change. Paul's saying the same thing. He says, you should be changing yourself. You should be renewing your mind each day. Now, I want us to see some things in regards to our mindset and how it affects how we live, because all of these things are connected. So earlier in Romans, in Romans chapter 8, Paul says some things that talks about our mindset there as well. He says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And notice the results, he says. The mind of the flesh is death, but the mind of the Spirit is life and peace. In other words, Here's what thinking and acting and living like the world gets you. He says death. And then he says the flip side of this is life and peace. And so if we think of, if we, if we live according to the flesh, that's because we've thought about these things, where we have thoughts according to the flesh. And if we live according to the Spirit, it's because we have thoughts according to the Spirit. He'll go on to say the mind of the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the flesh cannot please God. Now think about that. Do we want to have a life that is pleasing 
to God. Well, Paul says you can't if you're controlled by the flesh. But what did he say? How how did he describe people who are controlled by the flesh? He says, well, they first think that way. They're controlled by the flesh because their mind is set on the flesh. And so all of these things are connected. Deeds that do not please God, he's saying, come from a mindset, from thoughts that don't please God. Now, to put this a little bit, kind of connect this, Jesus will say something similar. He talks about how our actions and our thoughts are also connected, how our words and our hearts are connected. Matthew 12, he says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? In other words, he's saying you can't, okay? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus says, whatever is stored up is going to come bubbling out. And if you're continually storing those things in your heart, that is what's going to come out. That's going to be the product of your life. That's going to be who you are. Out of the overflow, the mouth, we might say the actions, speak. He'll go on to say, the good man brings good things out of his good store of treasure, and the evil man brings evil things out of his evil store of treasure. So think of it this way. Nothing in your heart, nothing in your heart ends up there that didn't first pass through your mind. You don't get anything here without first having thought about it up here. And so Jesus says, what's coming out of your heart is what you stored up in your heart. Your deeds are either going to be good or bad based upon what is the overflow of your heart. Well, what gets into the heart? He said, it's the things that you think about. So if we connect these things with what Paul was saying, he's saying there's this, there's this thing where we have this process where we think it, That becomes the condition of our heart, and what is in our heart, good or bad, is going to come out. And so all of these things are connected. You maybe have heard someone say that the greatest battle that is fought is within 18 inches, right? Head to heart. That's where some of the the greatest battles are fought, head to heart. Because what ends up here, what I continually think about, what I continually dwell on, what I focus on, is eventually going to make it here. And then what makes it here is going to be the result. It's going to come out in my life, good or bad. And so all of these things are connected. And so we need to fix our thoughts on God's word, and God's word will fix our thoughts. You've heard that phrase, perhaps, that we need to watch our thoughts because they become our words. And we need to watch our words because they become our actions. And we need to watch our actions because they become our habits. And we need to watch our habits because they become our character. And then we need to watch our character because that becomes our life. But it all starts, it all goes back to your mind and your mindset. I don't know about you, I I get a lot of emails uh, during the week and during the day. And I've had this folder for years. You have it on your email, I know. Some of them say spam, some of them say junk. uh, and which I always liked when it said junk, I was like, that's pretty, you know, accurate. Uh, but we have these different filters and we have these different folders. And every once in a while, maybe at the end of the day, I'll go in there and I'll just, I don't know how many is in there. Maybe it's 50, maybe it's 100. And I'll just clear them out, right? We, we just clear all, delete all. No one at the end of the day 
ever goes back to the spam folder and says, let me go through this and read what I've been missing throughout the day. And they sit down and start reading all this junk email. Nobody does that. We don't read it because we know this is not anything we want to spend time on. We don't want to waste any time looking at this stuff. It's not any good for us. There's no, there's no value in this. I don't want to spend any time on this. And so we just clear all. I want us to, to think about our minds as kind of this spam folder or this junk folder where we filter through the things that we are presented. By the way, you don't have to uh, accept or dwell on everything that is presented to you. Do you realize that? We don't have to always accept or dwell on all the things the world is throwing at us. In fact, it would be wise not to, right? We can, we can be selective in what comes into our minds. And we need to because the harvest of our life is going to come from, a, from what we start in our minds and that goes down into our heart and so on and so forth. So we need to start with a good template. We need to start with the right mindset. And so we need to be selective. And so we need to think of our minds as having that filter. The world can throw something at you and say, hey, here's some negative things to think about or here's some bad stuff to think about or here's a bad temptation that you need to think about and dwell on. And we can be selective and say, well, I understand you're presenting this to me, but that doesn't mean I have to accept it. And we can just kind of throw it in the spam folder. Say, I don't need this. I don't want to pay attention to this. I don't need to dwell on this or think on this in my life. And so we only focus on what is good. That's the goal, to just have this mindset where we focus over and over. Now, I know negative things are going to come up. I know negative things are going to pop up in your mind. You're going to be presented with negative things. But the goal is, what are good things that I can think about? What are good things that I can dwell on? So scripture will say a lot of things about this as well. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul will simply say, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And I would say too that it's, it's good for us to remove those bad influences. It's good for us to, to turn off the TV or maybe put down our phones or, or not listen to the news because we know it's going to be negative all the time. It's good for us to remove those things. But I think we also need to understand that we need to replace it, replace those things with good things. Because if we just take out the bad and we just get rid of all the bad thoughts and say, well, I gave up the internet and I gave up my TV and I gave up my phone and I gave up you know bad friends and... Eventually, those things are going to come back in if we don't fill that void with good things. And so it's not enough just to remove the bad thoughts. We need to replace them with good thoughts. To that end, Paul will say also in Philippians chapter 4, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, he says, think on these things. Focus on what is good. And I know in our world, maybe that's harder and harder to do. But I can tell you, there is good out there. There is still good in this world. There are still good people in this world. It is there if you'll look. It might be harder. You might have to mine through some of the stuff that's going on in our world today. But it, we can think about the good. How about when we're thinking about our good, we, we sing that song, count your blessings, right? How, many, how often do we do that? How often do we start thinking, we just sit there and say, you know what, I'm really thankful for my job. I'm really thankful for my family. I'm really thankful for my church family. I'm really thankful for my home. I'm really thankful for my car. I'm really thankful for my friends. We could just go on and on and on. How about this? How often do you think about and dwell on what Christ has done for you? 
How often do you think about what he has accomplished on the cross? How often do you take your mind back to that scene? We, do it, we did it earlier, right, in communion. But that's not the only time we can think about Jesus and, and his impact on our life. How often do we think about Jesus? How often do we think about his death and his burial and his resurrection? Paul says that's good stuff. That's good stuff to think about. Anything that's good, Paul says, think about those things, dwell on those things. We are very richly blessed and we have a lot to be thankful for and there's a lot, for, a lot of good that we can dwell on. I'll give you one other passage here. This is interesting to me because we're talking about the Word of God and going through Psalm 119. Another passage that we go to often when we look at God's Word is Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And I think sometimes we skip over this part. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And maybe that's why we don't read scripture as much as we should. It's because we're afraid of being confronted with some of the things in our lives that we know that we shouldn't be doing or the things that we should be doing that we're not. It says it judges. Scripture is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, your mindset, what you're thinking. And if you read scripture, I promise you, if you read scripture, it will convict you. It will point out some things in your life where you say, oh man, I need to work on that. It will convict you if you will read it. Scripture has the ability to even judge our thoughts and intentions. Some things for us to think about as far as putting all this into practice and what we're talking about this morning. I think first we need to have this goal of waking up and saying, I'm going to renew my mind. Again, this is not a, this is not a once and done thing. It's a continual process. How do we do that? We've talked about this several times throughout this series that we need to be people who are daily Bible readers. Maybe we can get up in the morning and the first thing that you do before you do anything else is you say, I'm going to read God's word. Maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. You may not have a lot of time, but you're going to start there. Maybe it's as simple as saying a prayer and counting your blessings and saying, here's the good things that I want to think about. Here's the things that I'm thankful for and expressing those things to God in prayer. Maybe you're the type of person who gets up really early and you just grab your cup of coffee and you go sit on the porch and you watch that sunrise come up and you just say a simple prayer to God as you start your day. You know that once your day gets going, once you go to work or once you go about your your daily schedule, the world is going to throw all kinds of voices at you. It's going to tell you all types of different things to listen to and focus on and all those things are going to end up in your mind unless you protect it. Unless you set up some, some parameters and you say, I'm going to think about good things and I'm going to reject all the bad things. We have to have this goal of renewing our mind each day. Again, it's not enough just to take out the bad things. It's not enough just to remove the bad thoughts and the bad influences. We need to replace those and fill that void with good things. And so there's plenty of things that we can think about. There's plenty of good things that we can dwell on. And so we need to think on those things. And also we need to think of our minds kind of as, as this filter. We don't have to accept or even dwell on everything that's presented to us during the course of the day or during the course of a week. We can be selective. We can say, I'm not going to watch those types of movies. I'm not going to listen to those types of songs. I'm not going to engage in those types of conversations. I'm not going to spend this much time on on the TV or, or with my phone. We have an option. We can be selective with what goes in our mind. And we need to be, be people who are protecting our mind. That's where it all starts. There's another psalm that talks about this desire, this wonderfulness of God's word. 
And we've been looking at Psalm 119. This one is actually in Psalm 19. And he ends that psalm, the psalmist ends that psalm by saying, May the words of my mouth, this would be actions, and the meditation of my heart, thoughts, may they be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's the goal, right? That not just our actions are pleasing to God, but even our thoughts, the words, the meditation of our hearts, that everything that we do glorifies God, that everything that we do points to him. And so not just our actions that are pleasing to him, but even our words, even our thoughts, that everything is taken captive for him. We need to be people who fix our thoughts on God's word. Talked about good things to dwell on. Perhaps there's none better than that. It's very easy. If you're, if you're dealing with people and you have people in your life, I know you do, that maybe you have a negative Ned or a Debbie Downer and you just hear negativity all the time and you're, you're confronted with bad thoughts all the time. Really quick and easy fix is I'm just going to start reading God's word. I'm just going to pull out my Bible. Maybe you pull it out on your phone. I'm going to start reading God's word. I'm going to fix my thoughts on his word because when we do that, when we focus on those things, God's word will fix our thoughts. Talked about good things that we're thankful for, good things that we're uh, able to dwell, dwell upon and think about, none greater than what Christ uh, has done for us. We remember, we, we recall, we, we read through scripture, we go to God's word and we see what Jesus has done for us. We, we read about his miracles, we read about his parables, we read about his life, we, the way he interacted with people, and we see ultimately what he does on the cross. We see his death and his burial and his resurrection. That's good stuff for us to think about. And it's really, really good news for us because without it, we're lost. This morning, we're going to offer an invitation song. If you're somebody who says, you know what, I need to accept that. I need to be a part of God's family. I need to accept that forgiveness and that salvation that's found in Christ alone. I need to be baptized this morning. We're here to help you with that. Maybe you're somebody who is uh, struggling with different thoughts, bad thoughts, bad, you know, just bad negativity in your life. You're hearing a lot of different voices. None of them are good. And you're just trying to kind of get rid of that influence in your life. And you, and you need some help. You need some guidance. Uh, we're here to pray for you. We're here to help you. If this church family can help you in any way this morning, please come forward while together we stand and sing.